to Freedom Matters Today. I am Michael J. Sutton, and today we have a special broadcast commemorating, remembering, and reflecting upon Victory in Europe Day, the 8th of May, and Victory Against Fascism Day, the 9th of May. The question before us today is, can a Christian be a fascist? Can a Christian be fascist? Freedom Matters Today is devoted to a Christian understanding of freedom. One of the themes is freedom from fascism and tyranny. Fascism and tyranny take many forms and express themselves in many ways. In recent times, we in the West and some in the East have lived during martial law, suspension of democratic and human rights, and draconian policies under COVID hysteria, such as vaccine passports and vaccine mandates. This was tyranny in nations that claimed robust democratic traditions. The jury is out on whether the West danced with fascism or whether this was a temporary flirtation with a system of values anathema to democracy. I don't believe we can be so naive. COVID hysteria was a turning point in the West's democratic demise. The ruling class have tolerated all they can with the pretensions of representative democracy. The die is cast and it is all downhill from here. Then we have traditional fascism. I have written a book on fascism called Freedom from Fascism, a Christian Response to Mass Formation Psychosis. It is my first attempt to present a different understanding of the origins, nature, fruit and forms of fascism from a Christian perspective. It is my view that fascism has its origins deeply rooted in the church states of Europe, the mixing of faith and flag, and the control of political power by religious power. Whatever the origins, the Soviet Union, America, Britain and her allies, and most of Western Europe went to war against fascism in the Second World War, a terrible, awful, bloody conflict. It brought all nations together to defeat a deep, abiding evil, the likes of which we have not seen for centuries. Millions of innocent people died because of the evils of fascism. And while deeply flawed, the war, the destruction of Nazi Germany and her allies was one of the few righteous struggles in history. Fascism was a war on humanity. It was the desire to extinguish the conscience of man. It was designed to build a future based not only on the blood of victims, but the promotion of a blood-based future. It was not insanity. It was evil. There was a satanic wickedness to the Nazi regime. It was dark. It was wicked. And not only was it popular, but the church, the Christian church in Germany, was overall on its side. It is the moral ambiguity within the church's attitude to Nazi Germany and its failure to consistently oppose evil that explains the rapid demise of institutional religion in the West. 
these days, when we talk about church decline and the end of Christianity, the end of the church in the West, the fascists love to blame the usual suspects. Women, homosexuals, the sexual revolution, modern values. But none of these arguments are relevant. During World War II, when the church needed to speak, it was silent. When it needed to fight, it surrendered. When it needed to defend, it capitulated. Western Europe and America remember Victory in Europe Day on May 8th and Russia remembers it on May 9th. In 2023, it passed barely without a mention in Australia and around the Western world. The Germans had, aside from the Jews, a deep hatred for Russia. And the war to destroy Russia was a war of unbelievable brutality and wickedness. The common view today is that America won the war in Europe, but it was in fact the Soviet Union that played the critical role in stopping the advance of Hitler. Like Napoleon, Hitler failed to destroy Russia or the spirit of the Russian people. There is not a family today in Russia that was not affected by that terrible terrible war, but apparently in the West we're supposed to forget it and remind ourselves that only a few Germans, a tiny minority, were killers. Really? Really? Talk to the Russians about what the German army did when they invaded the Soviet Union. But let's remember some statistics. They come from the US Holocaust Memorial Museum, a great website I found online. These are people who were murdered by the Germans, murdered by the Nazis murdered by the SS, the Gestapo, their collaborators and friends across Europe. Six million Jews. Seven million Russian civilians. Three million Soviet prisoners of war. 1.8 million non-Jewish Poles. 312,000 Serbian civilians. 250,000 people with disabilities. 500,000 Roma. The list goes on. All of these are conservative estimates. Another estimate says that almost 30 million Russians died in World War II in their war against Germany. The greatest evil to be produced in the world was not communism, but fascism. It began in Italy, flowered in Germany, and bore fruit in Japan and many European nations and found devoted followers across the West. The Germans set about reshaping the world in their twisted and sick Aryan nightmare. And this was less than a century ago. The Germans murdered millions of innocent people, mainly Jews, but also many Russians and others. But it was not just Hitler and the SS they were truly evil, but the scale of this evil was not possible without the complicity, support and advocacy of most of the population. The fascists today say, no, 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 that's a lie. That no one knew about the Holocaust, that most were good Germans, that only a tiny, tiny minority committed atrocities. But history tells a different story. People get indoctrination wrong. Indoctrination cannot remove responsibility. Responsibility cannot be swept away so easily. Indoctrination does not create robots. It manipulates existing prejudice, fears, and ideas, and channels them for a purpose. 
the purpose of the Aryan fiction promoted by the fascists was to make Germany great again. There are many who stand for the truth. There are many who call us to remember and never forget. But there are equally many who try to trivialize the Holocaust, mock the Holocaust, make fun of it, and insist that we forget. There is an effort underway in the West to rehabilitate Hitler, the Nazis, and Mussolini. And there are many Holocaust deniers in the ruling class. Fascism is alive and well in the world today. In New South Wales, the former Premier admitted to wearing a Nazi, Nazi uniform for his 21st birthday. He retained his position but lost the next election. The media laughed about it. In the New South Wales Customs House in Sydney, there are Nazi swastika as part of the paving and the walls put in there in the pre-war years. Due to Australia's long secret love affair with fascism, these horrific symbols have never been removed or destroyed. Yet it is illegal to display them in public by, by citizens, but still possible to display them in public buildings. After the war, Australia welcomed with open arms thousands of Nazi officers and collaborators. And even today, Jewish Australians suffer from many anti-Semitic attacks, slurs and abuse. It is not surprising, because thousands of Australian families are directly related to those who served Hitler in the war unapologetically and have spread their vile ideology in the land down under. The classic defence is that they were just following orders. What? To murder children? To torture kids? To murder women and shove them in gas chambers? To shoot innocent people on the spot in the back of the head? Just following orders? How convenient. Every time you hear the defence of the Holocaust, heaven hears the cries and screams of the children, murdered by the men and women who say today that they were just following orders. But fascism is alive and well. In Ukraine, for example, Stefan Bandera is regarded as a national hero. He was a Nazi collaborator and was complicit in the killing of Jews. In Latvia, in March the 16th, many celebrate a march in honour of Latvians who work for the SS. Throughout Eastern Europe, the story is the same. There are controversial national heroes who also happen to hate Jews and support their death and sometimes participated in the Holocaust. Even during the war in Ukraine, the Western media silence over the Nazi-linked Azov Battalion and right sector in Ukraine's army is deafening as was their support of Pinochet and the destruction of uh, Chile's democracy and the coup which destroyed Allende. The media is conveniently silent whenever it suits itself. There are three responses to fascism today. The first is to rewrite the history of the Second World War to expunge the truth. We in the West forget the war against fascism because we're continually told that this was a war to protect democracy. It's a lie, of course. World War II for the West was not, a, was not a war to protect democracy. It was a war to protect national interests and colonial possessions. In Asia, the war to protect democracy was in fact a war to restore colonial power, 
to the European nations whose colonial assets were stolen by Imperial Japan. There was no celebration of democracy in Asia in 1945. As for America, African-American soldiers went home to the US only to be treated as less than human. It was the same in Australia. Aboriginal Australians fought under the Australian flag only to return in 1945 as less than human. It would take more than two decades for both nations to accept that Aboriginal Australians and African Americans were part of the human race. The second is to see fascism everywhere, which confuses and dilutes fascism when it truly revives. For some reason, Trump is seen as a fascist, but Biden a Democrat. Their policies are basically the same, and what could be said about Trump could equally be said of Biden or Obama. The left calls the right fascists, and the right calls the left fascists. It reminds me of the boy who cried wolf. The third is to debate the origin characters, or origins, character and consequences of neo-fascism, the current versions of fascism in the West. Curiously, both libertarians and Marxists see the West as fascist states. Their belief is that fascism accurately describes the devolution of the West into a kind of corporate fascist state. Detractors say that the West is not fascist because there is no dictator, and this is essential for the functioning of fascism. The reality is that this is unclear. The nature of fascism is misunderstood, and like all political movements, it is capable of evolution. No one today can agree on a definition of fascism. My take on fascism is that it is a democratic and capitalist nation where power has been voluntarily conceded from the majority to the few. These days, there is a lot of talk about Bond villains, the World Economic Forum, Bill Gates, and so on. But these are sideshows, bread and circuses for rich people with a lot of time. The UN gets, it fair, gets its fair share of hatred as well. Few on the right talk about the Holocaust these days. Few on the left dare mention it. But why is that? Why is anti-Semitism on the rise again? We need to affirm the evil of fascism. We need to be vigilant against it whenever it appears and refuse to compromise with it. This seems to be the only way forward. Fascism is evil, and it is the responsibility of the current generation to be vigilant against it. We cannot compromise against fascism, nor can we whitewash history because it might offend modern Europe or upset people at dinner with stories of gas chambers, Auschwitz and Sobibor. At Freedom Matters today, we stand against fascism in both its religious and political forms. My friends, it is impossible to be a Christian and a fascist. Christians believe in freedom. They also believe that blood doesn't matter, that all people can have identity in Christ, for the only blood that does matter is the blood of God shed on the cross for sin. There is nothing, nothing about fascism that can appeal to a follower of Jesus, for we stand because we could not stand before God, and we could not stand because we are but dust, and pass away like the leaves of autumn and the morning dew. And yet it was God who stood in our place, in our stead, so we might live as he died for us. Fascism has no room for God, 
But God has room for all. For the love of God extends to all people everywhere, even those whom fascists hated and killed in one of the worst wars in history. The Apostle Paul tells us that there is neither Jew or Greek, male or female, slave or free, but all are one in Christ. In this one verse, Paul, a Jewish believer in the one he calls Messiah, or the anointed of God, demolishes centuries of Christian fascism, the belief that God is on the side of our nation, that our national blood matters, that our tribe is more important than others, that our identity matters. Paul says the opposite. Our identity is in Jesus Christ. He draws the world together from all its threads and beauty and weaves in himself one new humanity where all stand before God as equals. Fascists hate the gospel and they hate the God who sent the Son so we might be free. Remember that when the spectre of fascism arises in conversation, in rhetoric and argument, or in society. We are one in Christ, and we are free. Remember, freedom matters today because you matter to God.